Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another episode of the Affiliated Podcast. And today, we have some big players. In fact, I'm going to say we have representatives of the biggest and best email deliverability company out there with Maripost, and we're going to be talking about the secrets and things that you need to know around your email. So buckle up, strap in, because we have a great episode today. With that, it is me and two amazing individuals. We have Mark Godou. I just mispronounced it, and we practiced it before, <laughs> so I don't know how I forgot. Uh, Mark Godet. So, and then we also have um, Ben Hussey. So much easier to say. Um, how are you guys doing today? By the way, great. Yeah, thank you for having Excellent. us. It's good to yeah, be here. thanks for having us. So Appreciate they they have flown over from Toronto to Boise to join us in studio, which is super exciting. And hopefully, you guys are enjoying Boise. I think it's always a nice little gem of the Pacific Northwest, even though we're like barely in the Pacific Northwest. Like we're just like on the very edge of what that'd be considered. But um, yeah, excited to have you guys here today. And so before we jump into some really exciting things about email specifically, as you guys have seen and are a part of billions of emails that get sent out probably every day, if definitely every single month, um, you know, you, you have a lot of data, you have a lot of knowledge. So I know the listeners are excited to hear about that. But before, why don't you just introduce you guys yourself, yourself how long you've been at Maripost, what you do, um, and then we'll jump in and talk about some exciting email stuff. Sound good? Yeah, sounds fantastic. Perfect. So Mark, why don't you go first? Because I'm staring right across from you. It's just so easy. <laughs> Perfect. That's the best way to start. Right. So uh, yeah, Mark Godet. Uh, I've been with Maripost for the better part of six years. Uh, everything to do with new business revenue and really focusing on the partnership channel right now. Uh, and just making sure we're bringing on you know the right types of clients and continuing to help grow the business. So really supporting Ben uh, on the revenue side for the business right now. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm VP of Revenue. So I'm responsible for our net new customer revenue uh, and also our existing customers. So focusing uh, North America and Europe. And uh, as Mark said, just uh, making sure we're taking care of our clients and doing the right things. Yeah, awesome. And I know many of you were like, wow, I thought you said they came from Toronto and you heard Ben talk. And it's a rare Canadian accent that he has. It's yes. just very, very different. But he's been there for a long time. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, 20, 20 plus years in Canada <laughs> yeah. and uh, came over from the UK. And you know, unfortunately, coming to Boise, it's not too cold here comparative to home. Yeah, so. that's, yes. That, it, it's it's a dry cold. It's very different than what you guys yeah. have. You have that wet cold that gets right to your bones. Absolutely. And never leaves. So. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, enjoy the warmth here of like, I think it's still under 30 degrees, but <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's good. Well, guys, well, let's move on less on weather and chilliness and more emails. So I think email is one of those things so often we hear a lot of people talk about emails dead this or emails not as popular as this. It's kind of one of those stable key components to any business, any business nowadays is email, yet we don't like to talk about it as much as we should. And that's not what we're going to do today because it is a cornerstone of every business and I think there's a lot of challenges that people have been experiencing lately that we see a lot of. And one of the biggest ones are what you guys do best, which is deliverability. So um, for those who aren't familiar, when we're talking deliverability, we're talking about you have an email, you would like somebody to read your email, open it, look at it, at least see it. Um, but if it never gets into their inbox, they're never going to see it. Or if it gets to their inbox, where does it end up? Is it in a spam folder? Is it in a, you know, is it in selling? Or they have a new one in Gmail, I can't remember now. Um, but some tab that no one looks at because they only look at the primary and they're probably not aware of the other tabs existing. So that's what I want to talk about today. And, and actually specifically kind of starting with, with you, Ben, a little bit, yeah. is talking about deliverability. And I think one of the biggest ones is I know as somebody that in, in my past life, um, we had Maripost, and that was one of the biggest draws is we just got better deliverability than everybody else. So so talk a little bit about how you guys do that and also why it's so important. Yeah, sure. Um, as you said, Maripost really prides itself on our deliverability. It's where we focus. It's generally why uh, people pick us over others. And uh, it sounds like a really obvious thing, uh, you know, deliverability. We want emails to get to the inbox. Uh, and that's, of course, true. But percentages 
percentage differences do matter, uh, particularly when you're sending at scale. You really want to make sure every single email gets there and, of course, that people open it. Um, people are still using Yahoo and Hotmail and all the different types of email providers, right? Yeah. It's not just I still email. occasionally see like an AOL email yep. domain. I'm like, comes what? Up. <laughs> what is this? Right? <laughs> and, and so making sure that the emails get there is, is huge. And it's actually, it's more than just the software. It's more than just the technology. And so what I think most people don't often realize is that behind the scenes, there is a huge network of things happening to make sure emails are getting delivered. So we work with all of the ISPs, so all the internet service providers, to make sure that our customers' emails are getting out and getting into people's inboxes as intended. So for us, that means making sure that the, the servers are sending, that if people do manage to find themselves on a block list, maybe they've been um, shut down by one of the, the, uh, the ISPs, which does happen, that we're working with them to, to make sure the right practices are in place so that their emails are quality, doing the job, and getting out to people. So guys, it's really not like, with, with you guys, it's not necessarily some sort of magic button. You guys don't have a secret door that just allows the deliverability to come in. It's just you understand all the nuances into it, and you're putting in the work for the clients, for your customers, to make sure that that happens. I'm sure there's probably some technical things that you, you yeah. can't share and that I wouldn't even understand if you did, but but at the core of it, it's it sounds like there's just a lot of work and expertise that goes into it. Yeah, and I, th I think one of the key things is actually about being proactive. So, okay. you know, for us, we, we actually offer deliverability as part of our service. And mm -hmm. so for us, we have a full-time team whose sole job in life is to uh, monitor and manage deliverability for our customers. And so some of our biggest senders, we, uh, we actually provide them with dedicated IPs, so dedicated servers just for their emails. We actively monitor, we actively manage. If we see maybe uh, a decrease in their, in their send or open rates, then we'll, we'll actively engage to you know, maybe change how the emails are structured and how they're going out, time of day, making sure they're getting into inboxes at the right time for the best possible open rate. So really it's about, it's about active management. You can't just sit back and expect the results to happen. Uh, if you do that, you're, you're just not going to achieve what you want. And yeah. so, uh, like you said, email is still a big part of lots of people's business. And for, for many people, it's uh, it's actually the largest part of their business of how they drive revenue. And mm -hmm. so, you know, literally every email counts, right? Even if you're sending hundreds of millions, they they all matter. So being proactive is important. Um, having good relationships with the ISPs is something we do, uh, we pride ourselves in. We also guide our customers on on the things you can do, the tips and the tricks, the things that are important to make sure that you stay on the good list and not the naughty list. Yeah. Right. And it, there are things there like opting in, making sure that opt-ins are part of your program, uh, making sure that you give give people the option to opt out. There's lots of little things that you can do and should be doing to make sure you have you know clean sending and good pra practices. Well, I want I want to talk a little more in detail that. Before we do that, I just really think that's because this is one of my favorite things about when we had Mariposa is what you described as is the consultants having somebody to talk to and work through this. And like you said, it is active management. You can't just sit because if you sit and wait, some policy is changing somewhere. Yep. Something's going to happen. Somebody sends an email, or you even send maybe a third party email that you shouldn't have, right? And it, it breaks everything for you. It breaks all your Yahoo or, because I feel like Yahoo is one of those ISPs that was be kind of a pain sometimes. Yeah, so. they, they all do go through some phases. Yeah. Yahoo was recent. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft were giving uh, some issues earlier. So mm, I think it kind yeah. of, you know, they go through phases. I think, you know, obviously the kind of the complaints and the, the challenges they go through on their side with their customers using their email platforms. And so they obviously respond to the market. And, and so we engage with them to to yeah. support that. And one last thing. So I, I just think it's an amazing thing. I remember we run into issues, and this is just me being a testimonial for Maripost, but we'd run into issues and then just putting my list manager on a weekly call yep. to go and say, okay, we know these dealers are struggling with, what do I do next? They'd yep. give advice in terms of segment here, change what you're sending here, let's do this, can you send content, blah, blah, blah. 
really, really specific game plans. And then another week, it's sitting there going, okay, did that work? Where are we at? What can we do? Can we open it up? It was so amazing to feel saved in a situation where normally you're just looking at revenue decreasing and you don't know what to do. You feel like, what do we do? Maybe we get more customers. That's your response, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You don't want to cut off your assets and resources of email because you can't figure it out. But having that high touch is just really amazing. So not to just tell you guys Mariposa is awesome, but I just want to say like <laughs> in general, I think one of that that really is a massive differentiator. If you're sending a lot of email, you care about the margins. And I think one of the things just to talk about email for a second, like, you know, you, you mentioned it, it's a, it's a big part of business and some it's the biggest part. It's one of the most high margin and one in the digital realm, one of the only things you truly own, right? You really own your email list. Once you have that email, it's yours, right? You might run into issues in getting the email to them, but you have that. Verse, if I have a social presence, I am completely subjected to whatever that social platform wants to do with my content. If they don't like it and they'd like it to go away, they will make it go away. Um, and they they own that. I actually don't own any of my content on those platforms versus what we have in email. So I think that's really powerful and amazing. So anyway, I want to now move on to more specifics about deliverability. So we talked about some of the things we do and some of the things we see. What I'd like to do is give you guys some examples of situations that we commonly see and then um, just kind of loosely talk about what are some of the things that somebody could do. Uh, and this is actually one that came up to me just this week, which is somebody bought a list of emails, right? Somebody's old email list, it had been, it's, it's inactive, no one's been talking to them. They want to warm it up, but they have no idea where to start, how to do something like that. And they wanna do it in the right way. They're not just gonna yeah. spam and you know erode that list. They think there's an asset, but where do you start first when you have something like that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think there's probably maybe two parts to it. So the first thing we would actually always advise people is um, when, you're, when you're acquiring emails, you, you really want to, uh, really validate where they're coming from uh, and make sure that if you're, you know, when you're getting the emails, however you choose to do that, that, you know, general terms, you, you do really want to make sure that people are opting in to that list. Um, because if not, you could fall foul of regulation, depending on where you are. And of course, that's problematic. Um, but equally, at the end of the day, you're looking for results, right? And if you've got a list of emails that, you know, people aren't expecting an email from you, then ultimately, they're going to get put to spam and junk and you're not going to get any results from it. So, you know, we do work with customers to make sure that the lists they're getting are, you know, clean and quality lists of emails that they can use, good contacts, get those into the system. And then warming up is really important. So, so pause, I just want yeah. to pause before the warming up real fast. You mentioned um, making sure they're clean. So like, what are the, what are the things you need to do to look for that? Obviously you might assume that an opt-in occurred you might be told that an opt-in occurred, right? Yeah. But we don't know if that's true. So how do you go out cleaning it up and making sure the list indeed has a hope of deliverability? Yeah. Um, you know, the best way the, the best way to do that is to ensure that the opt-in is something that you've controlled. Gotcha. Right? And so that the through some mechanism, and you can also use double opt-in as well is, is another mechanism to be really sure, particularly if you're not confident on the first opt-in. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do a send that then requires the customer to then reconfirm and re-opt-in back and mm -hmm. authorize back. Yeah. Uh, and in so in, in that way, you're getting the uh, affirmative action from mm -hmm. the recipient of the email to make sure that they are ready and willing to receive it. Gotcha. Uh, and, and, you know, again, that's something you want as the sender, because if you're not getting that, then your, your, your emails are going to end up not being read, received, and they're mm -hmm. going to get into the spam. And then that's when, um, you know, the spam filters will start to kick in. And then ultimately, that's where you could become blocked as a sender. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that's why we work with people to make sure that um, the contacts where they're sending are coming from, again, good quality places that, uh, you know, that can be well managed and then, and then used properly to ensure that the senders are getting out. 
And then to your point for warming up, um, one of the ways we do it, we, we're unique in the industry because we have dedicated IPs that we can provide to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we do is when we get a new customer, we onboard them and we work with them to get through the warming process. Uh, and, and really what that means is um, you can't just start sending you know, millions of emails straight away. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you do that, then it will look like spam. Right? Yeah. Right? And then you won't do it for very long. You won't be doing it for long. <laughs> and then you're not going to be doing it again for a while. Yeah. So, uh, so you have to be a bit more thoughtful about how you do it. So our onboarding team actually work with people to figure out a plan with our deliverability team of how you best warm up. Most people say, well, that's great. We want to, but we want to start sending straight away. Yeah. 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 So, so, so what we actually, recover all that money they spent. Yeah. Right. Right. They want to, they want to start making revenue. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. So, uh, so what we actually do is we have a shared pool of IPs as well. And that's already up and running. And so what we essentially start doing is just gradually inserting those people's volume into the shared pool so they can get Mm. up and running and sending while we're also in parallel warming up their dedicated IPs so that we can start getting them up to volume. Nice, nice. So so I'm aware, but there might be some people listening that aren't aware about the advantages of having a dedicated dedicated ISP versus like a shared one, which I think one of the ones that... The horror stories I share at IP is anyone that's ever used MailChimp before or, <laughs> or products like that. But yep. but they might not understand what the risk of that is or what, what the impacts of that could be, especially in terms of deliverability. Could you just spend a little time talking about that? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the, the shared IP or the shared pool basically means that uh, anyone who's in that shared pool, their emails are getting sent from there. So if you have one bad actor or one set of emails that go out that then get blocked or picked up by the spam... Uh, then that shuts down everybody and that can impact everybody. So, you know, if you've got whatever it is, you know, 100 brands or 100 people in in the pool, you know, one of them's uh, acting badly or they get blocked, then that can bring down deliverability for everybody in the pool. So the actions of one can affect everyone. Gotcha. Now, in our shared pool, we actively manage uh, and we have certain policies and practices in place to ensure that doesn't happen. Um, That said, lots of customers you know, still want the dedicated IP because it does give them that control of when they can spin up and spin down some of the volume and some of their activity. Uh, and in fact, some some of our senders will, you know, let's say they have 10 brands, they might have an IP for each brand. And the reason why they do that is so that they can segregate their sends and get very specific about how they're segmenting uh, the sends within the brand. And equally, they know that if one of their brands maybe does suffer for some reason, the others aren't impacted. So it gives them you know, redundancies and it gives them differentiation across how they're sending. And of course, these are quite complex practices. Yeah. Uh, and they're not for every sender. Not everyone needs to go to that level. But those are the types of things we work with people on to understand you know, truly what are they trying to achieve with the mm-hmm. sends? How are they doing it? Um, what are the capabilities they need to really, again, that's how we maximize deliverability. Nice, nice. So a um, couple of things on the first example, then I want to bring another one to you. So when you're warming up the list like, uh, and you're just starting to get that deliverability going, outside the double opt-in, do you kind of give recommendations on what type of emails they should send, frequency? Do you start off with one a day? Do you you know maybe do, hey, let's trickle in a couple here? And then kind of that blend of, hey, don't make everything a sales email. Or if it does, like it needs to be very soft versus hard and content. Like what's that blend look like? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly do. Uh, I'd say we have a, a big wide range of customers. Right? Okay. So we, we have folks who are sending, you know, maybe more transactional emails uh, versus the marketing emails. So we have a blend of both and, and we do offer both those capabilities. Uh, and some some of our senders are daily senders. We have some senders who are actually down to the minute. So maybe they're, um, they have an online event or a course mm, yeah. and they want to make sure that their attendees uh, join in time. So maybe 15 minutes before they're sending out an email saying, hey, join in 15 minutes. Yep. Um, and actually that sounds like a really obvious thing, but that's actually quite a challenge for email senders, for oh. ESPs. Uh, because 
I wouldn't say all, but the vast majority, uh, they actually have shared infrastructure behind the scenes through third parties called an MTA. Mm -hmm. And basically when they send an email, it's getting sent into this other system that then sends the emails out. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time that's fine, but if that has any delays or issues, then that ESP has to contact that provider to get it fixed and solved. Um, so from our post, we realized a long time that that's uh, you know, a potential failure point. Yeah. So for us, what we actually have is we have our own. We have our own proprietary system. So we can actually monitor really, truly end-to-end -end for the sends. And again, going back to deliverability and inboxing, it's how we make sure everything gets out and gets out on time. Uh, because down to the minute can really matter for some of our yeah. senders, right? But, you know, I mean, that's a great response. It's one of those things that I think far too often companies you know, they pick something that's short-term because it fits the needs for the business right now, but they don't think about where the business wants to go. And when you're really working with a partner, you don't want to run into a situation where you have a great idea, you're ready to grow, and your technology's telling you you can't. And maybe you get glue and stick, and you try and make like an Ikea version of whatever that solution is, only for it to break when it matters most. But I think with Maripos, one of the brilliant things is you could start at a certain level and know that you're going to keep growing and not hear those roadblocks to know, um, which could change your business so you could capitalize. Far too often, business is successful because they have the flexibility to take advantage of opportunity um, less than you know, that they create the opportunities that are there. So, um, you know, I think it's really, really powerful. And anyone's thinking about that, like, remember, the long-term viewpoint, Maripost would be a really good fit. And for any technology area, you want to have that, which... Being said, that being said, though, one of the things we've been talking about here that's a really powerful feature and um, one of the things that really was impactful for us, impactful for a lot of businesses, is segmentation. Um, so, Mark, I know that's something you know a lot about um, and you can really speak to well. So before we kind of jump into it, it's a powerful tool of Maripost Beyond the Deliverability the Service, things we talked about, and a huge differentiator in successfully emailing but what does it mean? Like, in terms of ESP, segmentation, it's a word. Some people might just think I'm speaking a different language, though. Like, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so to me, like, at the simplest level, when I hear segmentation, like, I think about sending the right message at the right time to the right person, right? That is what your messaging should be focused around. Are we just doing a broadcast email to our entire list? Okay, that's great. Or are we doing it to a segment of our list? Everyone that's purchased a product, people that are have never purchased a product, somebody that's canceled from becoming a customer? Are we sending to males or females based upon whether we're selling a product that's relevant to them? So to be really be able to focus on sending the right message at the right time, really need to be able to segment or tag or have these different audiences and be able to communicate with, an, uh, with them in a way that is meaningful to them. Because if we're just sending broad messages to everyone, it's gonna be ignored by a lot of people. And this really ties back into the conversation you had with them Early, which is about deliverability. Because if you're segmenting better, your deliverability is going to be better over time as well. Nice. Well, let's talk about that. Because I've seen it. I know that it's very true. But I'd love to expand on that a lot more. Because a lot of people might think of segmentation as like, great, I just want to, if I could separate male and female, that'd be awesome. Buyers and leads, right? But there's so much more that goes into it in terms of time, frequency, who you're sending out to. So what are what, what do you say if you were putting your toe into segmentation, like for the first time on your list, would be the number one thing you would start focusing on, especially if they have a deliverability problem? Well, I mean, first and foremost, and this even goes right back into the deliverability conversation when we talk about how do you move to a new SP uh, like Mirapost and how do you start warming the IP and domain? You want to start sending to those most active people first. So you should have a segment that is literally your most actives. Who are my 30-day actives? Who are my 50-day actives? Who are my 7-day actives? Meaning who have their people have, have opened in 30 days, 
14 days or two weeks or seven days, right? So you automatically want to have a segment where you know who your active audience is and people that haven't opened in one, two, three, four, five months or even a year. Again, that's going to dial back in deliverability, but at the same time, that's going to help you with your improving your domain and IP reputation. So if you want to start with segments, that's the very first piece that I would actually start is know who your active audience is and who your inactive audience is. Then you can build off all of these other specific parameters based off of purchasers, um, you know, people who have engaged with your brand in some other way, shape, or form, and start building out more complex things like dynamic content, which we mentioned earlier, and journeys. That's really where I would start, though. Yeah. Well, I, I really love that you're talking about that, too, because I think actives, one of the other things that I think is really powerful about that is from a feedback cycle, right? If you're broadcasting your entire list and no one reopens a majority of them, you might have a really false sense of the performance of your list and what they actually care about. Or maybe some segment and outliers across various parts of your list are are really skewing some of that data versus I know my 30-day actives. That's most likely going to be the people that are going to buy the most, they're going to open the most, they're going to click the most, they're going to take the action. And I want to start really curating what I'm doing to that audience because they're there, they're engaged. Like that's a really powerful segment. And if you're not segmented that way, like – I could change things. I know some people will segment to a point that they change the rates based on what segment you're actually sending to if you did a list rental. And, and that could change, right? If I have an aggregated one, that's a good chance to make people unhappy. But I say, hey, would you like to do a broadcast email to a list of a million people that are on a 30-day actives? That's a different level of premium that you might want to pay for because that's the ideal customer. So I think that's really powerful and great to, to segment to. Now, um, I probably shouldn't jump to this right now, but I'm super curious. So I think that's great for a core segmentation. You even mentioned there's a lot of creativity and complexity you could do after that. What is, when you think of just like the most interesting kind of compelling way that a business has seg used segmentation to, to talk, reactivate a list or something that stands out to you, what's one that you've heard or at least it's in your memory banks for some real complexity? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and, and before I dive into that, I would say like it's actually some of the more simpler use cases that okay. actually end up being producing the better results or something where you said, oh, like, you know, why isn't everyone just doing that, right? So it's not always like having 15 to 16 different layers deep in your segments to be able to send an email out, which of course you can do with, with Mirapost, but it's just having something as simple as, look, being able to set up a re-engagement campaign based off of segments. Yeah. So how do we then engage with people that have engaged with us in some way in the past and bring them back into becoming part of that active segment? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think where the most best use cases come in is like, how do we take one segment that we have and leverage that segment to become part of that active segment or existing customer base again? Yeah. So typically, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of people are then using segments in combinations with journeys in Maripost mm -hmm. in order to be able to do that. And so this is where we're really t going back to that conversation of, sending the right message at the right, right time, but also communicating and putting these different segments down a specific pathway with the end goal of getting them back to becoming a repeat customer, purchase more, or become part of that active segment again, but coming from an inactive segment. So a lot of times what will happen is we'll have that, they'll have that segment, the cu a customer will have, somebody will open or not open, that will determine what message they're going to send to that segment as the next piece. Um, or what channel they'll use, which we can talk about channels later on, but we're going to focus on email for, for my purpose of this answer. And then ultimately the goal is, again, using that journey to bring people back into actives and re-engage with, with them. So I didn't give you a specific example, 
but I think I alluded to like where I'm seeing the most success with our customers today is getting an inactive segment to become an active segment again through using segmentation in journeys. Yeah, but that's so powerful, right? Because when you think about, you know, if you're only addressing a portion of your list and just letting the rest of it die, um, it's like living in only two bedrooms in a mansion, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That might be convenient because those are the rooms that you set up, but there's a lot of resource available for you and you should start trying to extract that, especially since lots of times these large email lists are actually past buyers. They did make some intent and action in the past. It wasn't something where it was a lead or maybe you bought an email somewhere. Yeah, that might be harder to get you know, back in. But um, no, I think that's really, really powerful. And I could tell you there's a shocking amount of people that send a lot of emails that do nothing to address their inactives. Um, and so, yeah, that, that could be a huge change, right? Now I don't have to acquire as much because I'm just taking what I've already acquired and utilizing it. Such a novel concept. And I just wanted to add to that, Kyle. Like, I think that's really important because like, you know, one of the things, and I, I keep tying this conversation of segmentation back to deliverability because mm -hmm. I really think that's what ultimately is driving the greatest revenue for a lot of customers. Again, to your point earlier, if people are not seeing the messages, they're not going to be able to open, click, or purchase, right? And if we are not segmenting properly, we're going to affect our deliverability in a negative way, which is going to affect those people that are actives that actually want to see our message from actually opening and doing something. So one of the things I just wanted to kind of piggyback on this conversation and, and note is like, you know, deliverability is is dynamic, but so is segmentation. It's dynamic, meaning segments change can change every single day. Deliverability can change for every day. You could have 99% deliverability, you could have 98% the next day. How do you really focus on that? And I think this is where, going back to Ben's point earlier that I really want to hit home on, which was about deliverability, having the hands-on support on the customer success side and on the deliverability side is where... I think people will see the most value, specifically these high volume senders you mentioned earlier, because what they recognize is like, hey, when we're when we're coming in and we're having this conversation and we're looking at what ESP has the best functionality, what has the best deliverability, what has the best segmentation, the underlying cornerstone of that conversation is understanding that Meropost and any ESP doesn't actually make the rules. But differences was Meropost communicates and understands to always be on top of those changing algorithms in terms of what is going to work best from a deliverability perspective. What are the types of segments that this specific client should be doing or using that's going to optimize their deliverability, that's going to get their IPs warmed a lot quicker, that's going to allow them to ultimately drive more revenue early on in our partnership. So really that type of relationship is very symbiotic and, and really drives the best part of, of what we're doing from a deliverability perspective, but also in those first 30 days, we might come up with good segments for clients that they don't even haven't even considered that they should be incorporating in their marketing program, which will further drive better deliverability over the long term. Mm -hmm. It's that going back to not what your business you think your business needs today, but what you really need for years and years in the future. Because I think deliverability isn't always like a quick fix. I'm sure you guys have experienced that. It could take some time, some testing and trial. And it's a problem that's changing as you're trying to fix it, right? So it, it, it makes some challenges. But no, I, I really like that you highlighted that, that Maripost isn't just 
a product, right, that you just use and all of a sudden it's a part of your business. They become a part of your business. And it's one of the things I always love in, in terms of a symbiotic uh, partnership because we build our business the same way, right? We could just be a platform and that would be great, but we wouldn't be here for 25 years if we were just a platform. It means our technology could be replicated, it could be beat, it could also just be commoditized. But the people and the commitment to having the expertise to keep on top of it, almost have an extension of your team of a deliverability um, agency almost that's proactively keeping you up to date with things that you probably never have time to do um, is pretty powerful and pretty amazing. And, you know, 1%, depending on how, how many emails you could, you're talking about, is massive. That could be a massive number um, in your bottom line, especially depending on what you're, you're sending that day. Um, they got that hit. So being able to maintain and keep on top of that kind of stuff um, is huge. Very, very huge. Um, well, guys, that was that was amazing. If you're not a fan of Mariposa at this point, I don't, you just weren't listening. So, um, but before we do that, I, I want to um, circle around. You mentioned some channels. I'd love to talk about that, but um, we could leave that for the end. What I really wanted to talk about too is as much data, as much email as you guys see, um, I imagine you have to know and have insights and forecasts or at least an idea of some things you need to focus on going into 2023. Um, so so what are those trends? What are the things that at Maripost have you guys buzzing in terms of the email world, whether it's AI, whether it's something that Apple's going to do? It does, you know, what are those things that you guys are thinking about right now? Thinking about, not thinking about, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I think just, just one piece before Ben jumps in on some of this is like, you know, it's something that's been around for a bit, but we're seeing more and more organizations and business starting to use. And it's more like, it's really things like product and content recommendations, right? So like when you go and you purchase a product or you look at a specific product on my website, am I able to, as part of my segmentation or in, as part of my follow-up emails, am I able to start serving up content that's related to what you've looked at or to what you've purchased? So if you know, you've know you looked at school-related school related stuff, for example, for your kid, am I now getting you know, notifications or recommendations that are based upon like maybe a school bag or something else. So I think it's it's still email, right? Email is still what one of the things that we see that's going to be driving the most revenue, even though there's other channels that are coming into the mix. People talk about social, mobile, all those things we do, but it's still going to be driven a lot by email. But it's not now how do I even get those emails more personalized? But doing so in a way that's more automated or using artificial intelligence or machine learning and things like, like I mentioned, like product and content recommendations. So you're really, really focusing on that, you know, that, uh, that I guess you could say sending out many emails, but it's like sending it to that one person where they think you're exactly talking to them. Yeah. I mean, man, that how crazy and cool would that be to be able to have like, you know, dynamic tags when people scroll on your e-com site and you notice that they hovered and you could put like a timer, hey, they hovered around this for 30 minutes or, you know, sorry, not 30 minutes, that'd be crazy. <laughs> I think they left their computer open, but, you know, you're there for, for a minute, minute and a half. They stayed there and then they moved. There's interest. And now I could say, all right, let's feed that into this, you know, a dynamic really written like recommends or say, hey, we noticed you do this. Here's some other things you might want to know. It could be a content piece. It can make it seem like, it's not too creepy and we're going on Candy Valley. It just happens to send it the next day, right? Like that gets me super excited. That was actually one of the things that I used to annoy my list manager with because I'd always ask for the craziest segmentation. I was like, what if we find this? So, but um, with machine learning and making that automated, that's when that gets really exciting because no one wants to be the person trying to manually figure that out. So um, Ben, you look like you're excited to say something too. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things I, I thought of when you asked the question. So one of them actually ties into to what Mark was saying. Um, <clears throat> we've actually got some some great product releases coming out this year, which for us uh, is all part of our 
vision to be um, a platform that a, uh, a merchant who sells something, so it could be a retailer, it could be online retailer, but someone who, who sells something um, can use us kind of end-to-end. So we actually have um, very soon, uh, imminently, our, our service cloud offering uh, oh, yes. coming out, which will be you know connected with our marketing cloud so that people can really start to connect um, the email journey into the next stages of things, uh, whether it's, you know, call-ins or tickets. And, and then we also have our, our, our e-commerce and our search and some of our other products that, again, we're going to start rolling out so that actually what Mark was saying there can be kind of realized that really you can then start to join all of those dots because, you know, Omnichannel has been talked about for <clears throat> probably decades now, yeah. actually. Uh, and, you know, you've got companies out there, like Shopify, you know, obviously great company, great products, Salesforce, Adobe, and all those things. But all of their platform is all technologies they've acquired or that you're plugging in. It's not part of the same thing. So it really doesn't have that connected experience. And so for us, that's our kind of vision of where we go next is to take um, all the things we've you know, learned and we're doing with email, but then continue to expand that with some of our other products that we also offer from Maripost uh, and really pull that together so that that completely connected journey, people can now have that. So that's something we're really excited for because we think that the existing technology landscape no one actually has that. No one really truly offers that in a very you know seamless, ready to go, ready to install, turn on way. Uh, yeah. So that's one of the things we're planning. Uh, and I think that's exciting. I think the, the slightly perhaps less exciting thing. Well, before you go uh, yeah, less sure. exciting, I just, because I, I love the Omni channel. I think it's really, really yeah. powerful. And we've been talking a lot about that in the podcast, particularly because I think we realize that people can, we all have preferences, right? I bet if we went into a room of 100 people and we asked all of them, it was like, hey, I know you can, like, what are all the different ways you consume information? They, they'd list off five to 10 different sources and go, what's the main one you use? Can you give me one? Almost everyone would have one. Oh, yeah, I had one. This is the one way I do it. Yet, in most of our businesses, we communicate with our clients through one medium and only one. And then if there's another one, it's not communicating with these. So the idea of almost being able to start creating and bringing these together to create omni-channel that then fits for each customer. So we have that, you know, inactive list. Now it's not just inactive in email, but maybe they're inactive email because they don't like email. How do I get them to go to our audio content? How do I get them to go to SMS? How do I get them to go to maybe they love, you know, Twitter is their main source, but I could find that out and start blending it and creating those different avenues. Um, so I speak where you want, and I know that that's where you want to speak with the idea of maybe having an email as the cornerstone to what that client means. Well, and, you know, when someone's... Gets me excited too. I don't know. That was really... Yeah, well, you know, and when someone's got, you know, some some companies, you know, might have a, a call center or a number, so to call in an order or something, you know, wouldn't it be great if they actually you know, when someone calls in and they're talking about the email, you just, they've just received from you. Yeah. You actually know what the email is and you, yeah. you can actually then uh, understand and have a much more educated conversation with that customer yeah. and then follow up with an email and say, here's what we talked about, here's what you're doing next. And, yeah. and it's not to say there aren't companies out there who do those things well, because, you know, there are some very large companies who do Omnichannel quite well. Their IT budgets are, are significant, right? Tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. And for, you know, your, your average, you know, your small, medium business, that type of experience is is currently unobtainable to them, right? They just, there's not something they can deliver to their customers because that cost for the technology is just too great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and that's the excitement for us is we, we think, you know, uh, this is a space we're in that that's something we can fill in terms of the gap in the market. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I used to work uh, customer service in Fortune 500 companies as a supervisor, and we didn't have that. The amount of times people reference emails, I'm like, I can't see your email. Right. I don't know what I don't even know what they do. Like, so the fact that bringing that to a mid level business versus 
Fortune 500 companies with budgets that all make us wonder why they have that much money um, sounds amazing. That sounds super amazing. So not to now diminish what you're about to say next, but here's the... Well, I, you know, very exciting. I know it's not less exciting. It's I, just, yeah. It's, I mean, I, thing, I yeah. say I'm excited because it's to do with kind of, you know, the regulation, regulation so forth. Oh, it is but less exciting, you're right. Less exciting. <laughs> but I think it's very, it's also very relevant to, to all of it because, you know, that's one thing with our deliverability we, we kind of stay on top of. You know, as we talked about, is rules and regulations that come up about, you know, who and how you can send emails. Right? We've got obviously GDPR in, in uh, Europe, and California's got some quite strict rules. Yeah, and I think we can reasonably expect that to continue it's, to roll out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that those types of changes. And um, you know, from a partnership standpoint, that's something we're on top of. And so while it might not be exciting, I think for um, lots of our customers, they they trust that we know that and we can advise them, and that our our technology and the way we do things adapts to that. Mm-hmm. It's not something they have to be responsible for, right? They, they don't necessarily need to be on top of every single rule or regulation as it relates to the emails they send and the things they do, um, because that's something that as a partner we we work on with them. So, and that's huge. It's a big it's a big thing. It's something like I said. It's not exciting, but it, it it is something that I think for every business person you have to be aware of what's going on in the world from a regulation standpoint uh, and some of the shifts that that are out there. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's that is going to be something that continues in in twenty twenty three and beyond. No, and we uh, for those that aren't familiar, I mean, we know that regulation is commonly a barrier for lots of businesses, right? It's one of the biggest barriers between the largest companies in the world and anything underneath them is how to sort through, keep up with and still be successful through changes in regulations. So, um, you know, without having something like AmeriPost to put me on, there's a good chance you won't know the changes. You won't keep up on them, and you're only going to find out when you've done it wrong, which with government regulations isn't <laughs> always a great place to be. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you don't want to find out with a fine bill. Hey, guess what? You yeah. owe us money because you did this wrong, which, um, you know, with email, I know it's not as expensive, but especially being that you guys do have SMS. If you want to talk some of the most egregious fines that you would never want to have levied against you, SMS is a big one. Um, so knowing that you don't have that regulation risk um, and that you guys are taking care of that is huge. Free your mind up to do business and not worry about how it's going to go away. I think that's really, really powerful. So glad to hear that, especially because I do, as you probably agree with it, it's just going to get more and more strict as time goes on. There's going to be more changes where segmentation, speaking to the right audience and doing the right way is just going to get more and more important. Um, So have that future mindset like we talked about. Well, yeah, and, I, and uh, that future mindset, I think, ties back to one of your kind of earlier questions about people shifting from from ESP. And, and you know, I, I would also encourage people to think about the opportunity and the opportunity cost, right? Because, yeah. you know, people will change technology providers for lots of reasons, but usually it's because of pain, right? Something's gone wrong, so I need to change. But equally, you know, we also get really excited when people come to say, hey, I, you know, I've got an idea. There's something I want to try or something I want to do. I can't do it with what I'm using today. I'd like to talk to you about how we can do it with you. So I think for those who are looking to grow and expand what they do in their business uh, and looking at new different ways of enabling that capability or that opportunity for themselves, uh, those are also conversations we get really excited about. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, this is definitely a big, we, I think we're all familiar that we're in an economic shift. Um, I mean, globally, right? Not just, you know, domestically in the United States, like globally, there's, there's a big economic shift and then a culture shift that's happening. Anytime things move, we know there's pockets of huge opportunities. So having the tools and resources to go after that. And I really feel like 2023 and 2024 are going to be big shift years. And through those shifts, holes appear. So you want to be ready to take advantage. So we go back to it. The best businesses 
aren't the ones that just create or see opportunities that no one else does. They just are able to take advantage when they show themselves. So don't be left wishing, be ready to execute. So that's that's awesome. Um, well, so just to kind of say, well, Mark, do you have anything else you want to add to to share on that? You know, I just think it's, you know, just kind of on the other side of Ben's coin there is also like an, everything we said, like it's it's really exciting conversation. And, you know, one of the other things that I've, that I've seen some of the smaller to mid-sized businesses try to do is, you know, they're like, look, we don't have a budget to you know, maybe like a Macy's or a large organization to try and create this omni-channel experience, right? So what they might try to do is plug in a lot of, you know, seven, eight, 12 different other technologies, right? Yeah. So they might say, well, let, let, let me see if I can go to these other cheap solutions and combine a bunch together, create my own APIs, and then it becomes a technological nightmare. But then the other question becomes when they do that is saying, okay, every time I need to talk to support, it's not a connected journey. It's there, none of these systems are actually connected because it's a different support team and business I'm talking with. And I have to have a full-time job of somebody that just communicates with all of these and explains the situation that's happening and these other platforms just so I can get the type of customer experience I'm trying to deliver from my audience out there. And so when they realize that that's not possible, I think that the people that we've had these conversations with that are kind of looking at like, how do I bring everything into one tool over these next couple of years? How do I have one support model, one support person that understands everything, my entire business, where I can run this entire business off of, and I don't need to hire people to manage the technologies. I think that becomes really exciting as well. Yeah. So I think that's what we're excited about um, as well uh, to, you know, going into the future and the types of conversations we're starting to have as well. Yeah, no, I mean, no one wants their tech stack to look like an Airbnb nightmare. Like, well, I guess the heating works. I don't know all these wires and how they're doing it, but uh, maybe it's just an open, open toaster oven. But, you know, those are those are risks, right? But, um, you know, I think going back to that, though, I, I really, really agree because um, one of the biggest things we're seeing is as we – as we see more large companies enter into the online world, right? Like we, 2020 in the pandemic really accelerated spending and budgets from these large companies to put even more into online sales, which is which has made it hard. It's just made it harder for a lot of these small and mid-sized businesses to be efficient. And so because of that, now it's really the time that you have to be very efficient and focused on your business and having a smattering of inefficient plugins becomes really, really challenging. You can't focus on what actually makes you money because you're focusing on just keeping your ship running, right? Well, it's still sinking anyway. So um, no, I think that's really good, really exciting and perfectly timed for what we're going to see shift in these markets over the next couple of years. Uh, so circling back, I kind of mentioned this before is something we talk about, um, but just... I know a lot of people are going to listen to this like, man, I got to get Mariposa, but am I ready? Am I the right person right now? So I, I guess kind of the ask question, who's the ideal person on the early stage? Um, and kind of the range of, hey, am I too big? Am I too big to work with Mariposa or am I too small? What does that kind of look like for you guys when somebody should really be thinking about, let's have a conversation? Um, and who are the people that maybe aren't ready yet? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, generally we're, we're known for um, for being you know, big volume senders and, and handling the larger volumes. So, you know, certainly that side of things, I think it's, it's pretty straightforward. Right? If, you're, if, you're, if you're sending a decent volume and you're sending, you know, anywhere from a million to a billion emails a month, then then you should be having a conversation with us because we can certainly help. Um, and, and the things we've, we offer and we've talked about will be valuable to you. I think um, to your question on the kind of the smaller sender end, uh, end of things, it's more a question about how important email is to you. So, you know, it's not just about how many emails you send. If you're sending, you know, a couple hundred thousand or something a month, um, you know, Maripost is still a great fit for you. 
But we're a great fit if email is important to you. You know, if email is a secondary thought, it's not maybe driving revenue, maybe you're just using it for, for a transactional email once a month or something, then that's probably where we would have to kind of look and say, you know, are we going to be the right fit for you or are you going to be the right fit for us? So, uh, you know, really on the kind of, I suppose, the, the lower end of things in terms of a send standpoint, it's really about really about the importance of email, what that means to you in terms of your strategy and your business and the importance of it. Because like we said earlier, right, we, we invest in our customers right up front with the onboarding and deliverability and getting people set up. And so we, we have a long-term relationship with our customers. Uh, and that's something we pride ourselves on and that's something we stick to, right? We, we don't want a customer for a month. Um, we're looking for a long-term partnership and, and growth. So that's the other thing is growth. So someone who's coming and saying, yeah, look, look, I'm looking to grow my business. I'm looking to find different ways to monetize what I'm doing. Again, that's a good conversation to be having with Maripost. Nice. That's awesome. Well, perfect. Well, again, I really appreciate your time. This is really fun. Thank you. Got me really excited. Um, but I love talking about email. So it's <laughs> maybe that's not everybody, but it should be. It should be because it's a great resource. So um, last thing is if anyone wants to, so if they want to start that conversation with Maripost or they'd love to either follow you guys, hear more from you, what are ways that one, they could get started or follow you for more content? Yeah, I think the the best thing is from a from a you know following us, getting in touch. Just maripost.com uh, is the is the easy answer. But uh, you can also check us out on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can start to follow us. You can follow uh, you can follow our CEO on LinkedIn. He's a regular poster with lots of tips and tricks from the industry. So I would recommend following us on LinkedIn uh, for sure. And that's a really good way to get lots of. Uh, very, uh, I think, specific and industry-relevant information uh, and lots of tips and tricks, things about abandoned carts and email sends and lots of ways to do things, obviously, for free. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those would be my two recommendations is take a look at LinkedIn, follow us there, and then obviously Maripost. Perfect. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much. Amazing conversation. And to listeners, appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming and joining, uh, enjoying the conversation and joining us in. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Also, please comment on the on the video. Send us emails about if you like this content, if you want more of it. Are there other companies or brands you'd want to hear from or things you want to hear about, whether it's about, hey, how would we talk more about Omnichannel? Tell me more about that. Um, we want to know because we want to keep delivering great content for you. Um, but until then, and until next time, have a great one, and we'll talk to you then. See ya.